I'm excited uh, to be continuing our study in the epistles of 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. So if you guys wouldn't mind, as we continue through this study, if you would go ahead and turn in your Bibles to the book of 2nd John. And as uh, Rob likes to say, if you don't know where that is, there's a table of contents at the beginning of your Bible. People worked hardish to put it there. Don't be afraid to use it. So once you get to the book of 2 John, go ahead and stand with me. And this is a short book, so we're going to go ahead and we're going to read the entire thing um, from verse 1 to all the way to verse 13. So it's like a 35-second read. Uh, so read with me if you would. The elder... To the elect lady and her children whom I love in truth, and not only I, but also those who have known the truth, because of the truth which abides in us and will be with us forever. Grace, mercy, and peace will be with you from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, in truth and love. I rejoice greatly that I have found some of your children walking in truth as we received commandment from the Father. And now I plead with you, lady, not as though I wrote a new commandment to you, but that which we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. This is love that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment that as you have heard from the beginning, you should walk in it. For many deceivers have gone out into the world who do not confess Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. Look to yourselves that we do not lose those things we worked for, but that we may receive a full reward. Whoever transgresses and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ does not have God. He who abides in the doctrine of Christ has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this doctrine, do not receive him into your house nor greet him, for he who greets him shares in his evil deeds. Having many things to write to you, I did not wish to do so with paper and ink, but I hope to come to you and speak face to face that our joy may be full. The children of your elect sister greet you. Amen. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much that your word gives us guidance. And Lord, as today we talk about walking in truth and what that looks like, I pray that your words would be uh, used here in this place. Lord, I pray that I would not be a distraction, that what I have to say would not be a distraction, but that you would be glorified in this place, in this moment, right now. We thank you so much that you have given us your spirit. We thank you that you gave us your son. And Lord, we thank you for the love that you give us every single day. And I pray that we would not take that for granted, but that we would use it to glorify you. We love you. We thank you. We praise your name. Amen. Amen. You guys can go ahead and have a seat. So Second uh, John, again, a short book. Uh, and, and it's a continuation of the first letter that John wrote. So First John and Second John most scholars believe were written around the same time, uh, 90 to 95-ish, 96-ish AD, um, a few years before John actually died in 100 AD. Um, whereas 1 John deals with love, 2 John deals with truth. I don't know if you guys heard that in the reading or if you noticed it, but the word truth is used five times in four verses <laughs> So truth is a big factor in this epistle that John writes. And so when we seek to serve God and to follow Jesus, we must be sure that we are proclaiming truth and that we are following truth. So the first question and the first point that we want to talk about today is what is truth? It's a fair question. And guys, a lot of doctrine today, a lot of people in this world want to say that my truth is truth for me and your truth is truth for you and 
And it's, uh, it's problematic thinking very quickly when my truth says that your truth is a lie. Uh, there's not a lot of places you can go with that. And so we need to know what true truth is. And that just seems redundant. So I'm just going to say we need to know what truth is. And so what is truth? And John, uh, using this word, he, he's saying that the truth is the commandment that we have received from the Father. If you guys look, we can see uh, in verse 6, this is love, that we walk according to His commandments. This is the commandment that as you have heard from the beginning, you should walk in it. So I want to go through that a little bit and talk about what, is, what, is our, what are our commands here? Yes, we are to love one another and love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And then Jesus actually goes on top of that and adds a couple more uh, commandments right before he leaves in Matthew 28, uh, verses 19 and 20. And I want to read those to you. And there's a couple more commandments in, in here. And it says, Jesus says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of this age. Amen. And Guys, there's three statements essentially in, this, in these couple verses. We are to make disciples as Christians. We are to baptize them as Christians. And we are to teach them and walk with them about and for Jesus Christ. So these are our commandments that Jesus has left us with. And so with that, making disciples has a sub-point to it. And, and so we can't just say like, okay, we as a church are going to make disciples. That's great. And we're going to baptize them. Fantastic. We just had our baptism service just a couple weeks ago. If you guys were here for that, we did it out in the parking lot and it was extremely hot and I was extremely sweaty and I feel bad for the people that I was baptizing because I was just all clammy. But they didn't notice. They were a little bit more wet than I was. But guys, we, we do these things as a church. We make disciples as a church and we baptize people as a church and we walk with people and teach them how to follow Jesus as a church. Yes, we want to do better at it. I, I think that that's a, a hopefully a goal of all of us in this, it, whether you're in this building or at home right now. I hope that's your goal is to teach others and walk with others and show them how to love and walk with Jesus even more. And so with making disciples, though, there's a sub point to it that, that we can't just skim over, and that is giving the gospel. Part of making disciples is giving the gospel. Yes, Hopefully all of us in this room or all of us at home watching are Christians. If you're not, don't worry, we'll get to that. But hopefully we are all Christians. And yes, we need to learn how to walk like Jesus. But before we can learn how to walk like Jesus, we really need to know why we need Jesus. The importance of a Savior, guys, is not there unless we know why we are going to hell. Unless we know that we are going to hell without Him. It's kind of like if I tell you you are sick and you need a vaccine and you don't feel sick. And I have no scientific evidence for needing to give you that vaccine. Ooh, that'll step on some toes. Um, did not mean what our current situation is. <laughs> but guys, it's, it's the idea that if you don't know, you're not going to take that vaccine. Now, if I say, hey, you have this cancer and it's going to kill you in like three hours unless we give you this vaccine, then guess what? You're going to want that vaccine. If I can prove it with tests and all these other kinds of things, then you're going to want to have that vaccine to save your life. That's the same with Jesus Christ. If I don't explain to you that you are diseased and going to hell, then why do I need the Savior? Without sin, there's no need for a Savior. And so we want to make sure that we give the Gospel. And we're going to camp out here for just a second and get your, 
your page fingers ready because we're going to be turning to a lot of different scriptures and reading them. Um, or I guess get your thumb ready for whatever, if you use an app. Um, but that brings us to our second point, which is, what is the gospel? So we kind of understand that the truth is the gospel, but now we need to answer, what is the gospel? And so guys, turn with me to Romans, uh, and we're going to go to Romans chapter 3, and most of you guys know the verse that I'm about to read, and maybe you guys already have a lot of these verses memorized. If you do, uh, cuckoo, cuckoo for you. Um, so Romans uh, chapter 3, verse 23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Uh, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance God had had passed over the sins that were previously committed. Um, and he goes on. Now turn to Romans chapter 10, if you would. It's just a few pages later. And we're going to start in verse 9 here. And verse 9 says of Romans chapter 10 uh, says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Um, you know what? Let's continue reading on. It's just good enough. Uh, for the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame, for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek for the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him, for whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Awesome verses here. Go to 1 Peter. Uh, we're going to be going to 1 Peter uh, chapter 2. And we're going to be starting in verse 24. And it says, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. Uh, for you were like sheep going astray, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Now go to John 3.16. And all of us should know this one, right? Because that's the only thing that we bother to memorize nowadays. Uh, so, uh, John 3.16, oh, does that sound snarky? I'm sorry if that sounded snarky. That wasn't meant to sound snarky. I apologize. Um, John 3.16 says this, for, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. A lot of us stop there. I want to read 17 as well. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that he would through, uh, but the world through him might be saved. Uh, go back to Romans uh, we're going to go to chapter 4 and just read uh, the last verse in chapter 4 there, verse 25, and it says, who was delivered up because of our offenses and was raised because of our, uh, sorry, yeah, because of our justification. And lastly, guys, I'm going to actually go back on what Pastor Rob taught about last week, and we're going to go to 1 John uh, chapter 4, verse 10, and it says, in, uh, in this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. That is the gospel, guys. These scriptures that we read encompass all of what the gospel is. We are sinners that cannot attain perfection. God's law requires or demands perfection for communion with him uh, and Communion with Him can be interpreted as eternity with Him if you want to. 
Uh, and so without having a perf perfect sacrifice for our sins to cover our sins, to pay for our sins, to redeem us out of the sinful life, we cannot have communion with God. So in that, Jesus Christ was sent, who is 100% man and 100% God, to live a perfect life, a sinless life, and to show us how to live our lives as Christians that want to follow him, perfect in everything that he did, and was nailed on the cross as a sacrifice for our sins. His perfect blood washes our sins away. It doesn't just cover them like the Old Covenant did. Because the Old Covenant just covered over the sins. It didn't wash them away. And every year they had to do another sacrifice and more blood was spilled so that these sins could be covered for another year. Jesus doesn't do that. He died once for all is what the Scriptures say. And so Jesus died on that cross and then three days later He rose again showing that He has dominion over death. Not just that, that death was beaten, but, but He actually has power over the grave. And He offers that salvation to each and every one of us in this room, in this online community, uh, in this town, in this province, in this country, in this world. Everyone has that free gift of salvation. All they have to do is accept it pray, I'm sorry, Lord, I forgive me of my sins. You guys have heard the prayer a million times, and if you haven't, don't worry, we'll get there. But guys, we want to follow Him, and in that, this is what the Gospel is. So when we, when we talk about making disciples for Jesus, fulfilling the command from Matthew 28, we need to be talking about the fact that we need to be giving the Gospel. And, and we might be saying to ourselves, well, a ton of people that I know already know that Gospel, and they already know things, and they're just going to roll their eyes and walk away. Okay, that doesn't mean that your job changes. We're going to talk about it a lot tonight. Well, maybe not a lot, but your job is not to be the Holy Spirit in anybody else's life. Your job is to give the Gospel. The Holy Spirit will either change them or He won't. So, you guys have your command. You have what your marching orders. That doesn't change based on, well, I might lose a friend. I might lose a brother. I might lose a mother. It doesn't matter, guys. We have our command that we are to go and we are to give the Gospel. That's the way it works. And so, so that is what the Gospel is. So now we've, we've looked at what is truth and what is the Gospel. And look, these verses that we looked at, and I'm sure if you guys want, uh, right now on the, on the uh, online platform is the notes. You can go and get all of these verses again. But these vo verses po <laughs> point out exactly what it takes to be saved. And look, the truth of the matter is, is we, we've talked about baptism and we've talked now about giving the gospel. We can't go over, there's not enough time at all today to talk about what it means to live your life like Jesus. Um, that is a process that's probably a lifetime process, not something that's going to be uh, found out in a half hour on a Sunday morning. And so, so guys, if you want to know more about how to follow Jesus, please reach out to me. Like we do discipleship groups. We have discipleship. I like to disciple people. It's one of my favorite things to do. Like don't let yourself not be discipled by someone. And you might know somebody here in this church that can disciple you or that you might be a person that can dis disciple someone. Find these people that are baby Christians or that are just longtime Christians that need to grow up. And, and work with them and say, hey, I want to come alongside you and I want to hold your arms up and we want to fight this battle together because we want to live like Jesus, not like the world. Which we're going to talk about here uh, in a second. Uh, here's the important thing is John doesn't give a new command for us to follow. 
He just encourages us to continue in the truth that has already been laid out for us. So that's actually quite encouraging because we're going to talk about now, there are wolves in sheep's clothing, guys. All around us, there's plenty of people that preach a false gospel. They, they preach a false Jesus. <laughs> they, they preach a feel-good, happy, uh, the term I use a lot is rainbows and unicorn farts kind of gospel that everything is fine and you will be great if you just pray the prayer and God will magically make your life awesome. And that, guys, is not the gospel that we are to preach. That is not what the Bible says at all. Jesus says multiple times, when trials come your way. Uh, James talks about it. When you enter into tribulation. These things are common themes throughout the New Testament. And so, whoever is preaching, you can. I'll just give you a hint right now. If somebody is preaching that your life will get better if you follow Jesus, you can, I can guarantee you that guy's preaching a false doctrine. He is preaching a false gospel. And so, in verse 7, he says, John says, For many deceivers have gone out into the world who do not confess Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. So, we live in an amazing time right now. Uh, we can Google search any pastor that we want to listen to from anywhere in the world, and a lot of times they are solid pastors. We can Google search any uh, worship team that we want to listen to their worship, and, and it is good worship. In fact, guys, I love our worship here at Pathway, but we can find better worship as far as talent goes uh, in about three seconds, just because Google is, is amazing. YouTube has, has opened our... Everybody has a phone in here, and I know that because I don't hear a lot of Bibles actually pages being turned. So I'm assuming you guys are using your, your version app. Uh, but, but everybody probably has the version app of the Bible on their phone. Guys, do you realize there are people that don't have that even today? Like, we are a blessed society that we can do that. But we also are a cursed society because of it. Because you can Google search any pastor you want to, and there are some wackadoos in this world. You can, you can Google search any worship team you want to, and there are some people that, that sing about some weird stuff. And so guys, we have to be, we have to be discerning, and we have to know what's going on. And, and the, the, the actual... Um, heresy that John is talking about here is, is called, uh, uh, I'm going to mispronounce it, I'm sorry, it's, it's docetism or docetism, uh, depending on how you want to pronounce it. And look, this belief, it basically stems out of Gnosticism, and it, it mostly says that Christ was not actually physically in a human form here on this earth, but he was like a, a spiritual goo that was, you could touch him and you could hear him and you could see him, uh, uh, but, but he actually wasn't really here, uh, and his sufferings weren't really, they were, they were apparent. It looked like he was suffering, but he really wasn't suffering. Uh, and so therefore, it's not fair for him to ask us to go through suffering. This, this is a very, uh, not common belief, but here's the thing, is when you got, start getting into the Word of Faith movement, when you start getting into some of these weirder things, uh, this becomes way more regular to hear about a Jesus that actually wasn't here in the flesh. He was here, but he wasn't, wasn't here. And, and you guys can, I mean, even in that definition, it just sounds kind of loony to me. And I hope that none of us in this room have a hard time looking at that statement and saying, hmm, that's silly. Or that seems wrong to me. 
Uh, and the reason why I hope that is because if you read your Bible, it's very obvious that Jesus was here in the flesh as a man, as God, and he did actually go through sufferings. Um, we've talked about hematidrosis. We've talked about his, his uh, crucifixion. There's all sorts of things. But here's the thing. is false teachers were trying to tell the churches back then that Christ uh, never actually came and therefore we don't need to really follow in suffering for him. And, and guys, that's just evil. It's just bad. And, and we need to make sure that we stand against these things, uh, not even to a certain extent, but make sure that if we hear of our brothers or our sisters or other people taking part in this kind of belief, it, it's kind of our prerogative to try and help them get out of it. Because if we just let them continue on thinking, well, I don't want to start a fight or I don't want to be the thorn in their flesh or whatever, then guys, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. And there are a lot of people that need to hear the wake-up call of stop thinking stupid. Sorry. I'm sensitive today. You guys can tell, I'm sure. <laughs> so, uh, the truth is that this is not the only false doctrine that's being talked about today either. Guys, it's common. It's it is something that is more common uh, the, dig, the deeper you dig and more bothersome the deep, deeper you dig because uh, I won't, I'm not going to do it tonight, but there are names that every one of us have watched online thinking that this is awesome and they're not good people. <laughs> and so false teachings are everywhere. And so the question then becomes, how do I protect myself or my family or my church um, from these false teachings. And, and John gives a great start, and, and it could be the complete start for a lot of us, uh, the complete finish line, whatever, uh, in, here in the Scripture. And he says uh, in verse 10, he says, if anyone comes to you and does not bring this doctrine, do not receive him into your house, nor greet him. There you go. That's one way that we can protect against these false doctrines, is not bringing them into our house. Uh, and, and you guys can interpret that if you want to, the house of God. You can interpret it your literal house. I know I used to do this a lot with, uh, with uh, Mormons coming from Salt Lake City. Uh, I would invite them in and we'd have long conversations and then I'd put them to work because they always offered to do yard work. So I'm going to take them up on that. Uh, but, but I would talk to them about Jesus and I would give them the gospel. And I don't believe that that was necessarily wrong. I wasn't inviting their doctrine into my house because I wasn't inviting them in to learn from them. I was inviting them in like a Venus flytrap uh, <laughs> to grab them. And so, so uh, we need to be careful, though, what we invite into our house. A, a lot of us, we cruise channels and we're surfing and we see a preacher on TV and we'll start listening to what he has to say. And nine times out of ten, guys, these televangelists are charlatans. And we'll talk about that in just a second. But just be careful with what you put before your eyes. Be careful what what person you start idolizing, what, what preacher you start to think is amazing. Guys, you guys can start thinking that my theology is perfect when I'm dead. Because when I'm dead, my theology will be perfect. But until then, guys, I can go sideways because I'm a man. I hope not to, and I, I'm going to do everything I can to not do that. But just understand, no one is perfect here. And so the, the next... The next question that we must ask, so that's kind of how do I keep my family and church safe, but, but that continues on when, it's, when we think about it, and it's how do I know what a false doctrine is? How can I tell what's a false doctrine versus what's true? 
And, and guys, there's a few questions that I'll ask that I feel like we can a ask ourselves to, to answer this question. And the first one is, does what they're teaching, does this doctrine line up with Scripture? Uh, it's pretty simple, guys. What this says goes. Um, it's that, that easy. If somebody is saying something that goes against what this says, then you can throw it out. No problem. Um, the second question is much like it. Uh, does it ask me to do something contrary to Scripture? So a lot, of, uh, a lot of cults, a lot of false teachers will ask you to do... Uh, how do I do this without with being PG? Do things that are not okay as far as with your body uh, and, and definitely are not found in here. Uh, to give you a good example, in Old Testament times, they had the god of Molech, which is Molech was a was a big bronze statue, brass or bronze or whatever, and they'd put it in the fire and his arms were out like this and they'd wait until his arms got white hot and they would lay their babies on top of his arms and sacrifice them to Molech. Um, so the Bible never asks for human sacrifice. The one time that it does ask for human sacrifice, as far as when it, people talk about Abraham and Isaac, God actually, A, stops it from happening and it was a test anyway, and we can get into that in a different sermon. But uh, just know that that's something that's contrary to what Scripture says. So we have, does it uh, line up with Scripture? Does it ask me to do something contrary to Scripture? And then third, um, are the preachers of the, this doctrine or this teaching, are they begging for or are they promising blessings in exchange for my money? Uh, this is a big one, guys. Uh, I can almost guarantee you, if you have a guy up on stage that says God needs your money, you can ignore everything he has to say. Because God does not need your money. And I think it's hilarious that these guys, not hilarious, it's sad that these guys go up on stage and they act like God is like a beggar on the side of the street with like a little tin can like begging you for money. And, and I can't bless you unless you, unless you put the quarter in the, in the cup. Like that is not the God that I serve. This is all God's. And I, I don't need your money. He doesn't need your money. And if I tell you that you will only be blessed if you give, then I am preaching a false doctrine. And if I tell you that if you give, then you're going to be a millionaire, I am teaching a false doctrine. If I tell you that if you give, I'll send you a, a swath of cloth that I have prayed over and blessed, and therefore you will be blessed. I mean, people are burying these in their front yard trying to sell their house for 10 times what it's worth because some guy on the television told them that if they did it, then they would get more money and then they can give that money to him. Guys, it's, it's just filthy. It's gross. And, and so, guarantee you, if it, if it leans into, I want to have sex with somebody, I want to have your money, or, or those kinds of things, you can just ignore whatever that preacher has to say uh, because he is teaching a false doctrine. Answering these questions requires more, though, than, than coming to a 20-minute or 30-minute sermon or watching a 20-minute YouTube video of your favorite pastor or anything like that. Acts 17.11 says these were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica, speaking of the Bereans, in that they received the Word with all readiness and searched the Scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so, the things that Paul was teaching to them. This whole discernment of whether or not it's a false doctrine takes time, and it takes energy, and it takes studying your Bible. 
we have an entire generation of Christians who know or believe or at least say with their mouth that it is important to read your Bible. Guys, it is important to read your Bible. It's way more important to study your Bible. Know what it says. Know the doctrines in your Bible. If you're not sure, find, these, find old dead guys that you can read that are solid believers that can show you what it means when it says the weird things in Old Testament that sometimes it's hard to understand. Be, but that, that requires dedication on your end. That, does, that requires commitment on your end because that means that you're going to have to press the power button on your television. It means you're going to have to turn off the Netflix. It means you're going to have to sacrifice some, some of your time on the lake or even with family sometimes so that you can go dig deep into what God wants you to see. What God wants you to know. It is worth it. It is worth it to do this because you will, you will be able to point out counterfeits as soon as they come up. When, when studying counterfeit bills in the FBI, at least in the States, I don't know what the version of Canada's FBI is. The, whatever. Nope, not going to guess because I'll get in trouble. Is there a pad coming up? Oh, I definitely just heard like angel, angelic music behind me. That was awesome. Uh, like the FBI in the States, when they teach the guys how to, how to discern between counterfeit dollar bills and real dollar bills, they don't hand them a counterfeit dollar bill and say, study everything about that dollar bill so that you can know, what, know what's weird about it. They, say, they hand them the real thing. They hand them the real dollar bill and they say, study everything about this dollar bill. Know every number on this dollar bill. Know the signature. Know the, the watermark. Know everything about it. Because as soon as this other one comes in, they'll be able to say, this isn't there. That's not there. This is wrong. That's wrong. So guys, don't do a bunch of study into your favorite false teacher. Do a bunch of study into your favorite Jesus. <laughs> do, your, do your study here so that when the false teacher comes up, you can point him out in 10 different ways. You can see him from a mile away and say, nope, here's why you're wrong. And here's 10 lists of why, and, and nobody should listen to what that guy has to say. <coughs> Excuse me. Are, are we green on that? We understand. So we, we do not, or at least should not have an attitude towards church as being our study time either. And that's something that, that is hard for me. Um, I, I don't know about you guys, but sometimes church seems like the only time that I know for a fact is going to be set aside for Jesus. Like I know that this time on Sunday morning is Jesus's time. And so sometimes in my life, in my busy life, it's like, okay, at least I have Sunday. But guys, church is not a good substitute for time by yourself with the Lord. Doing your Bible study with your family or your spouse or anything else it's great. Keep doing it. Don't stop doing it. But that is not a substitute for personal time with the Lord. We need to be having one-on-one -on -one time with God where He talks to us personally. And here's the thing is we have a ton of Christians, like I said, who don't realize that they are going down a path of destruction. Many will come to me in that day and say, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in Your name and perform miracles and heal the sick and make the lame to walk and the blind to see. And he'll say what? Depart from me. I never knew you. And guys, it's because we have a generation or a people group of Christians who think that this building, that this time on a Sunday morning is all we need to do to check our box of, yep, I've done enough for the Lord this week. Don't let yourself be that. Let's change that and decide to turn off 
the TV. Decide to tell our friends, no, I can't hang out right now because right now is my time with Jesus. He's way more important to keep your date with Him than with anybody else. So if I say something that you don't agree with, and and most of you know this, a few of you already take me up on this, Um, if I say something that you disagree with, or if Pastor Rob says something that you don't disagree with, or feel is not biblical, then my encouragement to you is this. Come to me. Ask me. There's a few people even here right now that I can point out that call me out regularly and ask me what I meant by this, or what I said when I said this. Is this what I meant? Guys, it's okay. I can take it. I can even take being wrong. I've been wrong. Even from this pulpit at this church, I have said things that I have wanted to walk back immediately. (laughs) I can be wrong. Pastor Rob can be wrong. It's okay. We are not going to excommunicate you from the church for questioning us. It's okay. We might have a heated debate, and and eventually we might say, you know what, this is non-salvific meaning that you won't go to hell if you believe it, and I won't go to hell if I don't believe it. Uh, But guys, talking about it is okay. Uh, Let's not treat our brothers and sisters in Christ like the way the world treats everybody else, where if you disagree with me, that means we hate each other. Not at all. If I disagree with you, I, I might not like you, but hate is a strong word. Okay, wrapping up here. Uh, It's a good thing to follow in the truth. Uh, To do that well, we must know what the truth is. To know that, we must study our Bibles, not just read them. And so my challenge to you guys this week is to actually spend time studying in the Word of God, not just reading the Word of God. Guys, ask God to speak to you. Ask Him for wisdom. And He gives to all liberally. That's what James says. If you ask Him for wisdom, He will give it to you. Now, Proverbs says that the counsel of many provides wisdom. So, talk to me. Talk to Pastor Rob. Well, not right now. He's on vacation. Talk to Tyler. Talk to people that know the Word of God that can help you navigate some of these waters. We, our intention is never to lead you astray. Our intention is never to be like, oh, they didn't catch that one. I'm glad I got away with it. That is never my intention to do to you guys. My intention is to grow you guys towards Jesus so that you guys passionately pursue after the one person in this universe that can actually give you the thing that you desire the most. And so, please guys, passionately pursue Him this week. Study, don't just read. Let's pray. God, we thank You so much for giving us Your Word. And Lord, I pray that if we have been taking it for granted, I pray that we would no longer let it collect dust on the shelf during the week. Lord, I pray that Your Word would be something that we want more than food, more than than water, more than air. Lord, I pray that we would just devour Your Word and get more and more into it. Lord, that we would experience You in whole different levels. Lord, we thank You that You are a God that has opened that door to us. Lord, through Your Son sacrificing Himself on the cross, the door has been opened for us to enter into the throne room of heaven and worship at Your feet. And we thank You for that. And Lord, I do not in my own personal life want to take that for granted any longer. Not for one minute. 
Lord, for the person that's here that's maybe questioning if they're even saved, Lord, I pray that right now You would just touch their heart. That they would experience what it is like to be held by the Creator of the universe, knowing that they are not judged or condemned, I should say, for their sin. Lord, You desire to save them more than You desire any kind of punishment. Lord, You desire to reach them more than anything else in this world. And so, Lord, I pray for that person. I pray that right now in this moment they would understand that we are sinners, all of us. That we deserve eternity in hell away from You. But Lord, You loved us so much that You sent Your Son to die on a cross, to live a perfect life, to die on a cross and to raise again three days later so that we do not have to suffer that punishment. Lord, I pray that in this moment right now they would reach out to You and say, Lord, I am a sinner. I am unclean. I need You to save me. And Lord, I pray that it wouldn't end there. I pray that You would put people in their lives that will come alongside them and teach them what it means to walk like Jesus. Teach them what it looks like to be a disciple of the Most High God. Lord, we thank You so much that You have provided that for us. And Lord, I pray that we would just be refreshed and renewed and ready for another week of whatever is in store. We love You so much, God, and we just ask for Your blessing in our lives. In your name we pray. Amen.